The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In the sermon today, Elder John Morgan Owens begins telling us about how the Lord can trade beauty for ashes. The Lord can give joy in spite of all the sorrow. The Lord can bless where only cursing appears to exist. I don't know about you, but I need to hear this message. I need to remember this in this sin-cursed world in which I walk. I see the curse of sin around me, and that afflicts me from without. But I also feel the curse of sin within me, and that afflicts me from within. Praise His name, God can give beauty for ashes in every situation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
If you would turn with me to John chapter 16, we'll get started. John chapter 16. This somewhat goes along with what Brother Buddy was praying this morning. In, you know, in praying about the trials, the sufferings that we go through, that the Lord has, has given, us, given us in the midst of those things, uh, he can give us joy, he can give us peace. So Jesus here is telling his disciples something. He is, in a way, he's trying to get them ready for what's about to come, okay? Because they have no idea. Their master, their, the person that they've been following around, camping out in the wilderness with, is about to be gone. And they can't comprehend that. So in John 16 and verse 16, he says this, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of what I said a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily. Now when Jesus says verily, verily, we listen up, okay? He's saying, Truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. That's amazing that, that God gives us the image and it's given to us many times in Scripture where sorrow is there, sorrow is present, and then sorrow gets turned into the very opposite thing, which is joy. And then he says this, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Now, obviously, this has been on my mind because of uh, our son being born. I got to experience that for the first time ever. And, and you sisters, I did not feel the pain. But let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a very empathetic person. Okay, y'all know that of me. And... So not to belittle what Meredith went through, okay, because she, went, she, was, she was going through that alone. But as the best I could, <laughs> I was there with her. And I tell you, you know, she was squeezing my hand so hard that I, I was hurting. I was ready for it to be over just for my hand's sake, right? And, and I, that's, such a, that's such a simple, I know you sisters, I know, I get it, I get it. But this verse is true, <laughs> It's sorrow, but how in the world can sorrow be turned into joy on a dime, right? We've seen it in, in, in that. We've seen it in other times in your life. God is amazing that he can take sorrow in your life and on a dime flip it over to joy. And I, maybe we'll come back to that in a minute, but we'll continue in what Jesus is teaching here. He says, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, 
and your joy no man taketh from you. We are so used to having uh, our moments of joy be temporary, you know. We see that beautiful sunset, and you want to just take it in, and, you're, and it, it just makes you happy. But for some reason, you just don't feel adequate to take it all in. And why is that? I think, I think one of the main reasons is because we know it's just temporary. That within a few seconds, the sun's going to be down, and it's going to be nighttime. Everything that we experience in life is temporary. Every happiness that you feel, maybe this is just me, but you're so hungry and then you, you, you eat your favorite meal and, and you get those endorphins released. And I mean, for seconds, it, you're just happy, right? And then you eat too much and then you were miserable, right? It never lasts. <laughs> Joy never lasts in this life. But Jesus is telling us here of a joy that no man can take away from you. Why is it that we yearn so much for that permanent joy? Why is everybody chasing the high? Why is everybody looking for something to make them happy? I believe it was because we were made. We were made to experience true joy and permanent joy. That's why ever since the fall in the garden, we have been looking for something to fulfill ourselves, right? Either you are seeking God to fulfill you, or you're seeking something in this world that will never fulfill you. And so what do you have to do? You just have to consume more of it, more of it, and more of it. But with God, there is joy that lasts. And there is a joy coming, because we taste here, we taste of the joys of God for a season. And then we go back into the world and we experience it. We experience the sorrows again. But there is coming a day, an actual day, where you will see Him in the flesh and, and that joy will not be taken away from you. It will be forever. And notice this. I love this. He says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. How many times would you say that you have asked the Lord for something in your prayers? That's, that's the thing that I do the most. Lord, give us health. Help this person. Be with this person. Help me to do well today at work. Whatever it is. You're all, I'm always asking for something. But he says, in that day, when you see me again, you won't ask me a thing. Why is that? <laughs> Because when you finally see Him, the one that your soul longs for, you will have need of absolutely nothing else. That's all you're going to need. You're, you're not going to ask for anything else. I may, use, I may use the example of my son a lot today, okay? Just, you're just going to have to get over it, okay? <laughs> But I, I'll say this, so when he's in there, he's in his crib, he's crying, you know, it's the end of the world, it's terrible, it's, you know, everything's falling apart. And, and, you're, and, you know, you walk in there, you open the door, you walk in there, he hears your voice, and all the cries stop. And you think, well, what did you need? <laughs> did you need something? Now that, in a, a much larger degree, right, <laughs> is when Jesus comes on the scene in your life, all of your complaints, all of your sorrows, everything, it doesn't matter when you're in the presence of your Savior, right? 
of the one that you love. You don't need anything when he's there. Now, that is true for that day that's coming. But look, it's also true in a sense when Jesus visits with you here and now. Okay? I know you've all experienced when you feel the presence of your Savior with you. And in that moment, nothing else matters. In that moment, the cares of tomorrow don't matter. You don't need anything when He's with you. Now that ought to be an encouragement to us to maybe seek Him out a little more. Let's keep reading. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive. And what's the reason? That your joy may be full. Now, we get a bad reputation as disciples of Christ, as people who always have to put down pleasures, always have to put down happiness, that, that the Lord wants you to be a miserable person. And that is not true. The Lord wants your joy to be full. You know, he says, deny the fleshly lust. And, and the world may tell you, but that's how you, that's how you achieve happiness. But that's not how you achieve happiness. Those are temporary things that you have to consume more of. What happens when you follow the Lord's way is that you have joy, something that is actually substantial that lasts. All right, now let's, let's get a few verses here. If we go back up to 21, verse 21, he says, A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. Now that's an interesting phrase. Hour is come. Jesus uses that phrase often in Scripture. And we're going to look at them. And every time he uses that phrase, what is he talking about? He's talking about that time on the cross. That hour coming. Okay? Verse seven, uh, chapter 17 of John, just a page over, he says this in verse 1, These words spake Jesus... And lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. He said, the hour has come. Jesus is seeing the cross coming. He's talking about the cross. Let's go to John chapter 7 and verse uh, 6. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come. But your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto the feast, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. Jesus says here, he, he sends his disciples on up to the feast. He doesn't go yet, because he says, my time's not yet come. Uh, so what does he do? I love this. Uh, your Savior does a little spy work here, right? <laughs> he goes up to the feast without letting anybody know. He spies. He listens. He preaches. And then eventually he reveals himself. And then they try to lay hands on him to take him. And what happens? Nobody can take him. Then they, uh, verse 30, 
Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. You think that when Jesus went to the cross, that, they, that the evil had won? <laughs> that they had been able to take your Savior, to nail him to a cross? No, Jesus laid down his life, okay? He is God. He cannot be taken. Here was a chance where the world had a chance to take him. They actually tried to lay their hands on him, but they could not take him. That's because his hour was not yet come. There's that phrase again that we're talking about. What hour is that? That's the hour on the cross. Let's go to John chapter 8 and verse 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Now there came a time in the garden of Gethsemane where they came to take him, and he allowed himself to be taken because his hour had come. That was the time that it, it, he was, it was time to go. But also remember this, when they came and, and they said, Are you Jesus? And he said, I'm he. And when he said that, it blew the men back. <laughs> right? The, just the power of him speaking blew the, the soldiers back. Okay, so once again, do you think that Jesus was taken, that he was just overpowered by the world? No, Jesus laid down his life. But that was the hour that was coming. Now, if you would go to John chapter 2. This is an interesting little passage that we get. Now, bear with me. I believe you'll see where we're going here in just a second. John chapter 2. We know what happens here. This is the wedding feast at Cana. Jesus attends this wedding, and, they, and the wine runs out, okay? Then Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, comes to him and says this one phrase. She says, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Now, Jesus is not being disrespectful here. If I would have said woman to my mother, it would have been seen as disrespectful, okay? But... Uh, that term was not, it was, it was not disrespectful. Then he says this, Mine hour is not yet come. Now we've seen in all these other passages that when he's talking about his hour coming, it's talking about the cross. Now some people are trying, are, would try to teach this, and look, they, you know, I may disagree, they may be right, I'm not sure. They would teach this as saying, when he's saying, my hour's not yet come, he's saying, it's not my time to start my ministry yet. Well, if that is the case, then we've got to, we've got to realize that Mary has, got, has somehow got some type of significance in making Jesus start his ministry before he was ready. And that's not what's happening here. What is wine? Wine is, for one, a symbol of purity in Scripture. But it's also always a symbol of joy. We're talking about joy, for sorrow being turned into joy today. The psalmist says at one point that the Lord had given man uh, wine to make the, the heart of man merry. Right? It is, a, it is a symbol of joy. So what happens when the joy runs out? When the wine runs out in your life? 
Jesus was already thinking about the time when the, when the joy would run out. When the wine was going to run out, he was already thinking about that time on the cross when it, was, when it was going to be left up to him, when all of the joy, when everything else was gone, it was just going to be him on the cross suffering for your sins. He said, my hour is not yet come. I believe he was talking about that hour on the cross, that time on the cross. Now, let's go to Esther, book of Esther. It's a book that we don't go to very often. But now I want us to chase this other phrase, sorrow turned into joy. And then we'll put this all together. Book of Esther is an interesting book. The name of the Lord doesn't appear in it. But you know what? You can't read the book of Esther without seeing his fingerprints all over it. Now, in Esther chapter 9, where we come into the book of Esther here, what has happened is that there's been an adversary of God's people that have, that have tried to get laws in place that would enslave Jewish people, that would kill them. And he was so close to being successful. He was right there. We talk about sorrow. Not only was he so close in winning, but what he was talking about was the Jewish people were going to be killed under these laws. And then the Lord raises up Esther and her sweet influence. And not only did those laws not get passed, but the person who, who brought it forth got in trouble. <laughs> and they had a time of joy and feasting. You want to talk about sorrow and joy. That's what only God can do for you. In verse 22, it says, As the days were in, uh, the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning unto a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, and of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.